Yo. Good. All right. We got a special one for you today. We got our friend Tony Rettman here. What's up, Tony? Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. So we're here today to talk about, um, this is your first book, right? This was the first one. Correct. Uh, yep. Why Be Something That You're Not, Detroit Hardcore, 1979 to 1985, which to keep it on brand is actually pressed on Revelation yep. uh, Publishing. Yes. I'm trying to, I was trying to think of the other Rev books. There's the All Ages one, yeah, right? And Antimatter. Yeah. And then there's the Burning Burning Fight book um then they do just lately then they do the life love shirts book? yes yeah so i have all these what a nerd <laughs> <laughs> i was like everyone i'm like got it read it got it but yeah um Great. revelation publishing yeah um and they're you know this is out of print out of print but yeah. not for long you want to tell us a little bit about the reprint first off before we dive into the content Sure, sure. Um, yeah, Revelation is uh, reprinting Why Be Something You're Not, Detroit Hardcore, 1979-85. Um, yeah, it's been, it was out of print for, I'd say, a couple years, and um, we're actually planning on doing it in 2020, but, you know, um, things happened during that year. So we picked it up in 2022, and uh, yeah, it's coming out the end of June and there'll be different color covers than the original printing. There's um, fixed a little bit of the layout um, on the printing and uh, yeah, I don't know. I I just noticed that it, it was out of print for a while and people were asking about it. So now we have a new printing to, for, for the people that are asking. <laughs> it's always good. I think to keep these kind of things in print if you can too, because you know, there's so like we were talking about before we recorded, there's all these books. And sometimes, you know, at least for me, maybe it's my ADHD brain, like you go down a rabbit hole, you know, and you're like, you get on a kick of like, Detroit hardcore, and then you're like, Oh, there's a book about it. And then yeah. if you go to look for it, and it's not available it can be like a bummer. So it's nice, I think, to have it available for people, whenever they decide to go down that rabbit hole. Definitely. And, you know, the thing is, you know, now that they're when they were out of print and you, know, you would see things on it, like Amazon, people selling them for like ridiculous amounts of money. And you're just like, I, I no, <laughs> you know, like it's not worth it <laughs> personally. Um, like, I just don't like the idea of people paying more money for something that could just, you know, easily just be reprinted. You know, if it was something something connected to it where it couldn't be reprinted. I understand that, but if it can, you know, I'd rather have it out there. Yeah. So, so people don't have to pay some, you know, some money gouging jerk. <laughs> right. You know, money for, to, to find out about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they can put that money towards getting the Necros seven inch or something, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which we'll, t we'll talk about that because, so I guess my first question is, why Detroit? Because part of me says, well, I, the answer is because it hasn't really been documented. I think as much as, you know, there's tons of things about DC, there's tons of stuff about, you know, California, mm -hmm. Boston to a degree. Did you just feel like this is un under documented and 
someone need to talk about this stuff? Did somebody approach you to do it? Uh, no, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, no, I didn't think like, Oh, I mean, maybe subconsciously I did think like, this is some, like, you know, this is, um, an era and kind of like the American underground that needs to be documented. Um, but I, you know, the, the reason it was done, um, is basically, you know, as I know, I've talked about on, um, a lot of other podcasts, I have an older brother, he's 12 years older than me. And he got into hardcore punk in American hardcore punk, like as it was happening. So when I was a very young kid, I, all these records were around the house I grew up in. Um, you know, what it, what it did to me is, is still up for debate if it was good or bad, having all those records around as a kid. But, um, so yeah, um, the negative approach stuff and the necro stuff, I don't know, as a little kid, it kind of connected to me, I guess maybe they were, you know, they were only a few years older than me in a way, like they could have been like friends of my sisters or, you know, something like that. That was kind of uh, intriguing to me, I guess, as a kid. Um, and there was a tying in with it was touch and go fanzine, which was done by the singer of the meat man, Tesco V and a guy named Dave Simpson. And that was, um, if you've ever seen issues of that, uh, it was pretty juvenile for grown men to be writing, but uh, as a kid, I found it very amusing. Uh, it was definitely on the same level as I was, uh, as far as you know, where I was, uh, where I was uh, learn like learning about sex, I guess. So it was the adolescent, know, yeah, your adolescent, very juvenile. So, anyways, uh, I guess those two elements kind of. Um, uh, yeah, intrigued me as a kid, and I just liked the music, uh, like the vibe of it. You know, like he, he, at that time, you know, there was a lot of records about politics, or you know, kind of left-leaning politics, or other things. And I, uh, you know, I was maybe nine or ten, eleven. I didn't really get that, but you know, I hate my school by the Necros. That's my protest song. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I can get behind that as a as a right for um, sure. Yeah how I, I guess I connected as well, but, you know, all through, um, you know, getting into music, getting, you know, finding out about stuff other than hardcore punk, uh, that stuff like the necros and negative approach and, and, you know, the meat men and things like that always kind of, um, stayed, uh, stayed around. Like I always still listen to it. I always, I don't know, to me, that was like the, the, the most important, hardcore early 80s hardcore so i always whatever still connected with it it was always a part of my life so um i don't know as time went on uh there was a the the, the, the initial seat of the book it was an article that was in swindle magazine which was done by shepherd ferry um i kind of got hooked up with the editor roger gassman uh through a friend of mine named uh fat rich warwick who I'm sure you're. Oh yeah. Yeah. Rich. Good dude. So uh, yeah, he kind of hooked me up with that and it became an article in there. And then I edited a lot of, a lot out of it. And then I kind of thought, well, I mean, a lot of people are saying maybe make a book out of it. And uh, <laughs> like an idiot, I, uh, I took up that challenge. <laughs> so that's, that's how the book came about pretty much is 
I wrote the article. I felt there was more to build on. There was a lot left over. So I, yeah, figured to make a book out of it. And here we are. Well, and then Revelation, where, because this, you know, the books that uh, we mentioned earlier that Rev's done have a tie, you know, All Ages has all these people from the Rev bands. Burning Fight has, you know, a bunch of bands on Rev, et cetera. This has pretty much zero connection to that. But how did they, how did they come about as, and when I say zero connection, obviously, I mean, you know, bands like Negative Approach had a huge impact on the early Revelation catalog. I'm not saying that, but, you know, as far as a direct, you know, like there's nothing about any of those early Rev, because it stops at 1985. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I guess the question is, how did Rev come to publish it, I guess? Um, yeah. I was trying to think about this last night, actually. And I think if I'm trying to like thread it all together again in my head, my addled head, um, I think it was around the time that um, Revelation was doing the mouthpiece discography or they were like piecing it together or something like that. Maybe it was in the process of being put together. Um, Tim McMahon asked me to write uh, a copy for it, like the one sheet. So I did, pardon me. So I did, and uh, I guess Jordan liked the liked it. And uh, I think it was Tim or somebody that said, you know, Jordan is aware of, you know, who you are, your writing or whatever. And uh, I don't know if he suggested to see if he would want to do the Detroit book or I, in my head, I was like, oh, let me see if this, let me see if uh, Jordan would want to do the the book and it was pretty that's pretty much it i think like i think i just started a, like emailing back and forth with jordan and getting kind of a rapport with him talking on the phone with him and uh that was it i think like just decided i'd do the book with rev because i had been i had made a proposal for that book um i don't know for i i guess a few months before i was talking to jordan kind of passing it around to publishers that people thought would be interested. And I really wasn't getting a response. And, you know, it was also a matter of like a lot of publishers that didn't like, didn't really know the history of this stuff and wanted me to kind of delve further into why, you know, they should sink their money into it. And sure. uh, I'm not, I've never been good at explaining myself <laughs> or like why I want to do things or like why this is important. And that probably reflects in the way of like, you know, Revelation, I don't really have to explain why Detroit hardcore is important to document. Exactly. And going back, you know, and then going further on, like Ian Christie, a bazillion points, you know, didn't really need convincing why a New York hardcore book was important to do, you know, like, so it's just easier to, I guess, you know, deal with independent uh, publishers who get this stuff. So and you don't have to sell any, you don't have to sell them on anything because they already know. Like, you know, like you said, like Jordan knows how important negative approach and and necros and all that stuff and touch and go is just to the aesthetic of and the ethics of hardcore yeah totally totally um so yeah that's that's pretty much yeah i'd say that's pretty much how it came about was just kind of approaching jordan and him saying yes and also i think at that time was when the burning the burning fight book was being edited 
and I was helping Jordan edit that book. So that kind of helped, um, helped as well. So yeah, there you go. That's the answer. I, I guess. Which side note, by the way, all three of us are excited to eventually get to that mouthpiece discography. Cause we all love mouthpiece. <laughs> we, we love Tim. We love mouthpiece. So that's like one of the ones that we're excited to get to eventually, uh, to talk about, but that's cool that you did the one shot. See, I didn't know that. I'll have to, I'll have to yeah. find the one sheet somewhere. It's, yeah, I guess, you know, it is kind of funny, you know, to all these years later to think, you know, Tim and I are technically on like, you know, the the revelation uh, employee sheet or whatever, <laughs> you know, like when we were, obviously when we were in high school, revelation was a big deal to us. So it's kind of, you know, funny to look back now and see what a big part of it we I mean not a big part of it we're not in freaking gorilla biscuits but you know we are we're a part of it so that's kind yeah of cool absolutely so um one of the things that I loved about the book is that so anyone who listens to this podcast knows like I'll be honest I don't pretend that I was into everything on the ground floor and I've heard everything Detroit hardcore not too familiar, love negative approach and all things John Brannon, laughing hyenas, easy action, whatever. Um, even the, you know, the static record, like follow his entire career. Um, huge fan, one of my favorite bands, uh, you know, negative approach. Uh, no, I know. And I have the L7 record, you know, with Larissa. That's it. And I was, I was reading and I'm like, you know, the Necros heard the name Necros for almost 30 years that I've known about, you know, hardcore and stuff. And I'm reading the book. And then, you know, one of the problems with having everything at our fingertips is like, I can read like two pages and be like, well, let me look this up. And it's like a a blessing and a curse. Cause I'm like, Oh, let me hear what this, you know, hear what this band sounds like. And I looked up Necros. I was like, why I was like, why wasn't this on my radar? I'm reading, you know, without even listening. I'm like, this sounds like something I'd be into. And then I look, none of their stuff's in print. It's all like, like I was like, it's not even like they had like the, uh, you know, the catch-all discography CD, like Negative Approach had with Total Recall, which was how I got into them, you know? Um, Do you you know offhand, do, do any of these bands plan on, having a little bit better documentation now that we're in an era where that's possible. I know the fix did a reissue, right. Of the two seven inches as like a gatefold thing. Yep. Yeah. And there was also, they did an LP that had both the seven inches on it and like maybe some live stuff and uh, you know, board another kind of unsung Detroit hardcore band called board youth. Um, After the book came out, they did, uh whatever the board youth demo tape to me is like whatever like one of the best american hardcore like demo recordings definitely like um and that got put out on a seven inch and then they actually recorded they recorded a seven inch back then for touch and go never came out and then that came out as a 12 inch on this label called alona's dream in chicago so oh yeah they did the um the necro stuff too they put out like a two necro seven inches but they were like super limited like you know they were sold out in like a week or a day or something um they did the artificial 
they did an artificial piece book, right? A book. Yeah, yeah. I have that too. See, yeah, I told you, get them all. Is it is it pretty cool or because I yeah. didn't buy? Is it good? Yeah. Yeah, cool photos and uh, you know testimonials from a bunch of different people from that era, and they did the uh, assault and battery record, the pre. Yeah, yeah I yeah, have so. that. Yeah, yeah. I should get. I mean, I have the assault and battery. I haven't gotten that. I don't know. The artificial piece thing was a little, little too rich for my blood, but I should. I'm a big marginal man fan, so I should probably get that. Um, but anyway, sorry. No, my bad. I was just, I get, I was like, I know that label actually. Ooh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your question, but I guess you're, I'm guessing it was like, why is the necro stuff? Uh, yeah, the necro- like, there needs to be. So the whole thing, my, I guess my, the point of my question was like, we have the book, you yeah. know, and now the movie and yeah. you know stuff so like why isn't this stuff readily available for a kid now getting into punk to hear you know the necro seven inch well the necros i mean i think it's it's not um it ain't my business but i think it's it's something interpersonal with that band as to why that stuff isn't readily available because obviously like Corey, the bass player uh, who was the bass player in the the Necros for a while? You know, he ran Touch and Go Records, so it would make sense that he would reissue that stuff. But apparently, there's something between that band that the uh, people in that band that causes that stuff not to be reissued. That's that's all I know. <laughs> um, and it sucks because yeah, all that stuff should be readily available. Like there's little things here and there like like i said uh barry the the vocalist for the necros um had the that guy from alone is dream do the seven inch and i think todd the drummer uh i don't know what label did it but they did like a 10 i don't know like a 10 inch like a live 10 inch of them or something uh from like the late like from 85 or 86 like it's all these little drips and drabs that are coming out that don't really um give a good representation to the band you know, which kind of stinks. Um, but yeah, it would be great if all that stuff could just be wrapped up, you know, in a package, especially, you know, the Necros, the second LP Tangled Up, which, um, you know, I guess it's one of the quintessential, like, uh, departure records of American hardcore punk in that it's not like they went speed metal or uh, you know, really leaned into this metal thing like a lot of people did in the mid-80s. It was more, uh, they became a Detroit rock band. Like, they became the Amboy Dukes or, you know, Stooges MC5 tradition. And uh, Was that on Touch and Go as well, that that record? No, that was on... Uh, Restless. Restless, yeah. Okay. And there's also, I guess maybe to fulfill a contract, there's a, a Necros live record. I think it's on Ryko Disco. Anyways... There's a Necros live record that I, is on Restless, I believe. It's 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 still debatable whether it's a real live record. It's a joke. It's it's basically a joke of a record. Like it was fulfill fulfill a contract. Like uh, I think like the audience stuff is like the audience noise is cut out of like Kiss Alive, so it's all just like, um, <laughs> pretty fun. Uh, and like they, yeah, it's 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 definitely fake because they start a song and all of a sudden like a riot breaks out and like this the, the tape ends or whatever nonetheless i'm sorry i'm rambling um yeah that stuff should be 
the Necro Store should be readily available. Um, as far as like other bands that are featured in there, like I said, Board Youth um, got their stuff done. Um, there was a band called The Allied, which was the first bass player in Negative Approach's band after he quit Negative Approach and uh, him and Rob, who were Rob Michaels, who was in Board Youth, um, formed, they had a band called The Allied. It was more kind of like British Oi style. And that actually, that stuff, I think it's good. Um, it was supposed to come out on a seven inch a few years ago. And again, things happened <laughs> and it didn't come out on a seven inch. Um, and I'm trying to think of, there's another band that's mentioned there called Fate Unknown, which did a good tape that I think was supposed to be a, a seven inch on touch and go never came out. I would, that's something me and um, the guys at Radio Rehim have been trying to put out on a seven inch for a while now. I don't know. It just goes on the, it goes on that big pile of things to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, that, so that's always, that's been on a 10 plus year <laughs> list of things to do is put Fade on Note out on a seven inch. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of that stuff isn't, um, isn't readily available, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's hard. I mean, granted we say readily available. I mean, you can go on YouTube and most yeah. of this stuff is on there, but to me, that's not the same. Like, I, I would love to have, you know, like, like if sure. like if I would have like t- some labels leaving money on the table, right? Because I'm the type of person where I'm reading this book and I'd be like, oh, Necros. Then I'd go online, touchandgo.com or whatever, and just be like, they got the seven inch, the LPs are right, cool. So, you know, send them to me. But, yeah. you know, I get that there's all kinds of logistics beyond just this isn't in print. Let's put it in print. Yeah. Um, but it is a shame because I do wonder if that would have been, you know, part of the whole starter pack of, you know, we talk about like starter pack hardcore. Yeah. 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 Like, no. would that have been there? I mean, it's the record, the, you know, the IQ 32 produced by Ian. So already that would have, you know, Ian Mackay, yeah. that would have had my interest peaked. Yeah. I've often, I've often thought about like, cause, uh, because <laughs> I have this kind of time on my hands. I I've, I have thought about that in a way of like, I think that negative approach total recall CD coming out in the nineties really helped in kind of keeping their name out there still. And I, I do think like, wow, because I think even back then at that point, like maybe Corey wanted to reissue the Necro stuff and other people didn't want him to. So I always think like, what if both of those came out at the same time? Like, you know, would the Necros be more, um, cause they were, I mean, they, you know, in the book, Ron Sikorsky, who was the last bass player in the Necros and plays in the touring version of negative approach in the book said like Barry Hensler invented Midwest hardcore. That's it. You know, like, so he, you know, they, they were the influence on negative approach, you know, like, yeah, like you yeah. look at the flyers in the book and they were playing above negative approach. Like they were, that was pretty much it. It was like they were the um, the progenitors of whatever you consider American hardcore in the Midwest. Because like you had the fix before them, but the fix were just dudes. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Like they're just dudes who wanted to play fast. Like they didn't want a hardcore scene. They weren't kids, you know, like Necros saw what was going on in California or like once they got that little taste of people like like a mirror you know mirror image of what was going on in dc is when they kind of like wanted to 
get a ball rolling. You know what I mean? And that, and that's what I found interesting is the whole story about like Corey Rusk goes out to California with a video camera and, and documents it. And it's like, it's crazy now. Like it makes me think about now and how much we take for granted that like every show is documented, which I, I could go, you know, there's, I think there's pros and cons to, to that. Um, but I'm not going to get into, um, but you know, you go on YouTube 30 minutes after a show ends, you chances are you're going to find at least some kind of clip, even if it's a crappy cell phone. But I, I liked, you know, the whole idea of like, Corey goes out there, he comes back, you know, and the, the tape is like, you know, sacred texts, gold, you know, being passed around. And then, but the idea too, of like the fix, like there was like the bit of like, it seems like there's still a little bit of, you know, animosity between the fix and the necros. Cause like you said, the fix were maybe a couple years older. And when you're 18, someone that's 22 is old. Yeah. Well, I mean, totally, but you have to understand that at the same time, like the necros were even like someone who was 18 was older than like they were 14, 15, 16 year old kids. So of course, if you're an older person, who's already like, you know, partying for lack of better words, like you don't want a bunch of kids around, you know? Right. So I think it is just that they were like, why are these fucking kids hanging out here? Like, you know, and you know, why are they, yeah, I don't know. You know, kids are, kids are annoying. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was, there's a quote someone said that quoted someone else that was like, kids are annoying. And the best part about being grown up is you don't have to hang out with kids or something like that. <laughs> I think that's it. It's just, you know, it was a, it, there was a dichotomy there. There was a huge gulf and, uh, you know, that that's what it was, I think. And, you know, in that book, in the book also, I think, uh, Steve from the Steve Miller from the fix says something like, you know, they, they tour the country before every, anybody. And they say that, I think like they get to Berkeley and they like get out of the van and it's just a bunch of kids who want to talk about the scene, like talk about the scene to them. And they are like, yeah, we're, this is over. Like, like that was when he was like, yeah, I don't like, I don't want to be a part of anything. I just want to play music. Right. Which is another kind of, uh, grown up thought <laughs> because I know like when I kind of stopped whatever kind of hanging around hardcore a lot like that was the the, the big um, thing for me is like I can just like whatever I want like you know like I, I don't and, know and, anything. <laughs> and that was that was what I thought too is like I'm seeing but like now as a 42 year old guy like I'm seeing both sides you yeah. know if I would have read this book as a 17 year old kid I'd have been like man fuck the fix like that's <laughs> that's some bullshit but now I'm like no, nah, I, I get it. Like, and, and it also fascinated me to see how much old, like Tesco V, you okay. know, being born in, you know, he was like already like 25 or whatever in 1980. Yeah. Um, you know, I knew Doc Dart from Crucifix. I knew he was another guy that was older. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's just, one of the things I love about the the book too, is that even for somebody like me who only really knows, you know, when I think of Detroit, it's like the Stooges, the MC five, and then in a negative approach, like I said, and, and a few other things is how much the um, like DC does still tie into it, which that was the first stuff I heard was all the, the discord stuff and how much of a thread is like kind of weaved between the two scenes. So it really does hold your attention for anybody who's maybe been debating 
like reading the book, like it, it holds your attention, even if you're not too familiar, because there's a lot of familiar characters. You you talk to a lot of different people uh, in the book that aren't necessarily from Detroit, but, you know, yeah. we're part of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's the, the one of the most important things about the book or, um, you know, that story is how the, the D.C. and the Midwest scenes intertwined and almost like they were all whatever they were like of the same mindset they were all paying attention to what was going on in LA and they were intrigued by that and you know they were just trying to you know they were trying to build something and yeah. both of like they so that's where they you know that's on the, the whatever the middle ground that they met was they just they wanted to do stuff and you know they they could go back and forth between the mid, like the whole thing with, with me that I find so fascinating still with it is like how, how young they were. And they're just like, I'm just going to go drive to Washington, DC, <laughs> you know, and his parents like, sure, whatever. <laughs> I know. I I know. I have children that are that age and I can't imagine them saying, yeah, I'm going to hop in the van and, and drive to DC. You'd be like, the fuck you are. Where <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you like, you know, uh, I mean, I think of how, the song and dance and 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 the uh, web of lies I would have to tell to my parents just to get to a a show in somewhere that my brother wasn't going to be and uh, yeah I don't know so I could imagine if I made up some huge lie <laughs> ended up being like four hundred miles away that would that wouldn't have been good but, no and also Tesco V being a school teacher. Like, yeah. I didn't know that. That blew my mind. And and he had a lie to, you know, the lie he told the DC, uh, uh, my best friend's getting married. Yeah. Uh, I have to miss the last day of school. Like stuff like that was just entertaining for sure. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's just as juvenile as them <laughs> in yeah. the way how he just like, you know, making up lies to get what he wants, but you know, oh, whatever, I guess I would have lied too to, Go see the Circle Jerks and Minor Threat. Yeah, well, I was going to mention too. This it's, I love the Circle Jerks, but like, this really hammered home how influential they were to like American hardcore as well. Because I think as like a younger kid, I kind of thought, well, that's punk, you know, like because to me, I thought hardcore was you know she had to be shaved heads and whatever. Yeah. But just kind of really hammers home how super important like the group sex record was yeah. to what is known as American hardcore. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it did come out before damaged. So it, yeah, it, I guess it might be more of a blueprint in that way, you know? Um, but yeah, no, it's still, yeah, obviously it's still an important record because whatever, f- how many years later, they're still getting to tour on it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it is. It's you know, it's still pretty like phenomenal document for sure. And yeah, like like you said, you don't. I guess people don't really think about how uh, important or influential that might have been on, um, yeah, like Minor Threat or any any other bands. Because I think a, a lot of people might just associate, um, you know, Ian is, you know, really. Uh, pro black flag <laughs> or you know he's always talking about how important they are so maybe some pe- people don't think that the circle jerks are, are as important so yeah but again they're still touring on that record so yeah they're important <laughs> like like but yeah i definitely like i said i love 
I love, you know, I've read your books, you, you know, I've told you I'm a fan. I love the documentation. I love, I'm a big fan of an oral history. Um, I, I, I think it's one of the better ways to kind of tell a story because you get, you know, you do have your commentaries in between kind of, you know, leading the narration saying this is what happened. And, you know, you're showing different images you got from collections of people like John Brannan and, and Ian, and then yourself and, uh, you know, a bunch of other people, but a lot of names I recognize just from years of like being in the hardcore side of the social media and being like, Oh yeah, I know this guy. And, you know, I noticed like Chris Alpino, I remember he, he did the design for the book. Right. Yeah, he did. Remember him from back in the day at the at Jersey shows. And um, where was I going with this? Uh, oh, so you, the oral history you reached out, was there anybody that you tried to reach out to that was just like, yeah, I'm not interested? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, initially it was Corey, Corey Rusk. Um, I was going to say he's not. Yeah, he wasn't in, he was not interested. And then like I, like I said, in the beginning of the interview, like, uh, 2020 was going to be or it was the 10th anniversary of the book coming out. And I'm not, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the anniversary thing in a way of like people just being like, Hey, it's the 10th anniversary of my book coming out. Here's, you know, I'm going to go on a book tour or something like, you know, whatever. Um, not my thing. So, but the Detroit hardcore documentary was about to come out at that time. And, um, so it made sense, like, oh, like, let's try to get the book out at the same time the documentary comes out, you know, it, it, it would have made sense. But then, you know, 2020, COVID happened, et cetera, things um, shut down with that. So, um, all right, now I'm lost. What, what was the question? <laughs> oh, about like Corey and those who didn't want to partake, because I have my own thoughts on that that I'll say so, after you. Nonetheless, um, after the yeah, I guess I got to backtrack. When the book came out initially in 2010, I got a, an email from Corey like, hey, I got the book. It's pretty cool. You know, like he was fine with the book. And I kind of like went back and forth, like just exchange emails with him every once in a while. And then um, he agreed to do. And then fast forward 2020, I was like, oh, maybe we could get Corey to do an interview for the book finally. And he actually agreed. And then again, like, like a lot of things in 2020, like fell apart, fell apart. And, and honestly, like it fell apart. And then, um, from there to kind of keep the momentum going in a way, um, is when me and, um, Rich Warwick and Cooch did that, uh, Midwest flyer book, uh, that Radio Rahim did, which kind of was, like I said, since the book, the reprint of the book wasn't really gaining traction. I, you know, that's the direction I went in um, as a sort of substitute for a 10th anniversary version of the book. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would like to add Corey in there, but um, yeah, it just never, it didn't come to fruition. Is he um, in the documentary? I honestly, I don't remember. Cause I now know, I'm so like, I want to watch the documentary. <laughs> I watched um, Documentary like almost two years ago. Um, I, I really should have a do a refresher. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah. 
I, I don't know if he's in the documentary, but I would say that's the only person who is just was wasn't interested. Everybody seemed pretty um, receptive to to talk. So, so that in that way, it was good. So my take is someone who tries to reach out to people to talk about stuff that happened a long time ago. You know, um, yours is yours being on a much more quote unquote, like professional level, because you're putting in print and you're doing all this stuff and having to deal with it. And I'm just some guy on Zoom. But is I always wonder why people would be reluctant to talk at the end of the day, because things like an oral history, like if you don't tell your story, someone else is going to tell it for you. And it might not always be, you know, I can't tell you how many times we've eventually had, oh, this is wrong. Well, it's like, well, we reached out to you and yeah. You didn't want to t- tell your story. So right, right. someone else told it for you. Cause yeah, I was, I, I would, I don't know much. All I know when I hear the name Corey Rusk is I think Necros and I think touch and go, mm-hmm. but I don't know much else. So I would have loved to get some of his, uh, some of his insight because yeah. like touch and go is a label. Like I love, I love a lot of the, you know, the later, you know, yeah. stuff you do you know, Jesus lizard and butthole surfers and all that stuff. Um, it's a fascinating label. So I would have just loved to have his like perspective. So hopefully somewhere down the line we can get. It should be because he was pretty much like he was like a whatever, maybe not an Ian Mackay, but, you know, he was a guy that got them to started, you know, took the label over from Tesco and made it what it was. He was the guy who started setting up shows in Detroit, you know, like he was the catalyst for all this stuff to to happen so yeah his his word in the matter should be you know thrown into the ring sure well maybe hopefully like i said there'll be something you know at some point but other either way i mean this is definitely like you can tell it's like well researched um it's a fun it's a fun interesting read it's it is a it's a nice quick read like it's not something that's um and like i said it made me want to seek out a lot of these things that I had had never really listened to or heard of. Like you said, like bored youth. It's like you read about them. They're like, Oh, that sounds cool. Like I want to check this out. Or even uh, pagans, you know, like that. Yeah. And I, you know, they had that seven inch on uh, was on YouTube and I'm like, Oh, this is like really primitive, like early kind of. Oh yeah. No, I love hardcore. I love that Um, band. Yeah. They're one of my favorite bands. I really like. So just to, to have all that stuff is, is really neat. Um, and, you know, like you said, it ends at 85. You ever think about doing a, a second book that maybe picks up and I guess they're doing a laughing hyenas book. I saw there, there that's being worked on. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I know I doing know. a book is, I mean, even if you were decided today that you wanted to do it, it's such a long process to do or be like, yeah. And I think it's a matter of like, I, I, I don't want to be like, I know that era, like whatever, 79 to 85 really well or anything. But like after 85, like, I don't know, like if you want to stick in like Detroit hardcore, I really don't know that much about it after 1985. <laughs> um but if you want, I guess if you want to go in the direction of like where those bands, people in those bands went. Yeah, that's kind of more what I, yeah. I guess, yeah, that, that could be kind of, kind of cool. But I think, honestly, I don't know if it was like, I don't think it was like a, 
uh, like Washington DC or something where they all kind of like stayed in a stayed together or, or, or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like it was like the people from the first generation of DC. Well, then you had the revolution summer stuff, but they still all like intermingled. And then you had even the later era stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if like the, you know, after that period, if like people who were in the necros hung out with, people in laugh hyenas or like you know todd the drummer for the necros can drum for laugh hyenas in their like last lineup but yeah i i don't i get the feeling that they all kind of went their their separate ways yeah uh, in a way like i don't know like you know Corey really you know i don't know he started putting out stuff from all over the country after that and uh you know uh, and barry hensler did big chief which i for the longest I knew the name Big Chief and I never knew like kind of blew my mind like like go on YouTube and seeing you know the videos of Big Chief who actually had a record on like Capitol or something yeah totally they were they really they were one of the bands that whatever the post Nirvana grunge explosion whatever title you want to call it they were they they were one of those bands who jumped on Jumped on the gravy train. God bless them. You know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For fucking them because they got to tour all over the world. They got to tour, you know, tour the Beastie Boys. You know, they, you know, they they did well. And the, you know, the thing is with Barry, um, he also was a part of a fanzine back then called Motor Booty that was based out of Detroit. That's like one of, it's one of my favorite um, zines. It was just really, um, it was kind of an extension to Touch and Go in a way, in that it was just really uh whatever a lot of humor very juvenile um like i would say that they were some kind of like precursor to like uh like something like vice in the way they were just like very cutting and didn't give a shit about like whose feelings they hurt and uh funny <laughs> it was really funny from what i remember yeah saw so that said he they did it he did a zine i guess during the time of big chief that even when the band stopped playing it continued up until like 2000 or something it was saying yeah, yeah. Is that the zine? Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Motor booty. Yeah, it started in like the mid to late, I guess late '80s, and it lasted for a while. Um, but yeah, so that's where Barry uh, went on to, and yeah, they all kind of went their separate ways. You know, like Tesco moved to DC and kept the Meatmen going for a while. Um, you know, uh, John and Larissa moved to Ann Arbor and. Did laughing hyenas um yeah i mean everybody kind of you know uh steve shelley went on to join sonic youth you know yeah he did okay for himself i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> moved on to different things like i said it wasn't like a dc thing where they kind of stayed in the same area and kept putting out records on touch and go and you know what i mean so yeah it was all no for much. sure yeah but yeah i mean i just think i definitely you know to, to kind of wrap up uh think anybody who hasn't read the book now you have a chance to get it easily with this with this repress um and there's the documentary that we talked about that uh that's available i don't know if it's available online like to stream or i believe it is it's uh i think it's under detroithardcore.com i believe um but yeah i know that he had it up there for a while or he he has it up there for a while so let me i'm sorry i'm gonna actually try to look it up 
on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Usually. The, so thank you. Cause usually it's me sitting there frantically to, you know, slide my fat fingers all over my <laughs> iPhone, trying to find it, uh, find it without missing a beat. But um, my fingers are, aren't that slim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's stupid. Bah, 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 bah. You can obtain a special dialing wand. <laughs> exactly. Your fingers, <laughs> your fingers are too fat to dial. Um, Detroit hardcore movie.com. Yeah. You can watch it for, uh, for money <laughs> you can buy you could watch it for six bucks so you know if you want to do that you can do that or if uh this is where i throw in the, the plug i guess uh if you're in brooklyn new york on thursday june 29th uh we'll have the new printing of the book available um because at nighthawk cinema they'll be showing the detroit hardcore documentary uh dope hookers and pavement real and imagined history of Detroit hardcore and uh there'll be a screening of the movie and afterwards there'll be a post-screening Q&A with me the director Otto Booge and Chris Moore who's drummer in Negative Approach and there'll be like I said there'll be copies of the new printing of the book for sale um so you know if you're into this stuff come out uh yeah at uh Nighthawk Cinema in Brooklyn uh on Metropolitan Avenue, you—I don't know. Through the internet, you can look up that stuff on there. Yeah, exactly. That's where yeah. I was going. I—I I was trying to lead in, lead into that. So you did—you did my work for me. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. If you're, like I said, if you listen to this and you're interested in early American hardcore, you'll probably have a good time. So come out, buy a book, nerd out, what have you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. And then, of course, you know, when it goes online, RevHQ.com, you know the yeah. deal. Though I'm sure they'll post, and I know there there may be other goodies uh, available, right? To- yeah. Well, the with the Rev, yeah, they'll be available on RevHQ probably that week, I would assume, um, along with some shirts. And yeah, the there's different. The covers are different color. The first printing was blue. Um, with this one, uh, Rev is going to have a bunch that are on the red red cover, kind of an homage to the either the Fixes Vengeance or the Necros Sex Drive singles. You take your pick, and then there's going to be a hundred that are green that will be available through me. I guess I would be the tied down cover. I do never approach twelve inch, and so you know whatever. The, there's going to be a limited version of it, and uh, like I. I think I said maybe in the beginning or I was talking to you before we recorded still trying to figure out like some kind of incentive to kind of go along with it. Um, hopefully I figure it out in the next four weeks or three weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Awesome. So to wrap up, what, what would you say is the quintessential Detroit hardcore record from this time period? If there was one that you had to pick, that you would say like this is this is the one can you yeah. do it yeah uh the negative approach that much i mean that's to me that's like the greatest i mean i don't know like i say these things and then i'm afraid like some some nerd is going to come on me come at me on the internet like you're wrong but uh nah. I, think that approach I get it all the time so don't worry about it yeah i'm just i'm i guess i'm more sensitive than you uh, <laughs> the negative approach. trust me that's not possible um the negative approach seven inch i think is yeah is that and that for like american hardcore in a way like it's just uh yeah 
suburban pissed off suburban kids like yeah you know? that was and that that was i mean granted you are a lot more familiar with the others but to me i was like it almost seems like that would have to be the answer like anything else would maybe be a reach just because it is it's it's timeless it's yeah. i mean it's it's held up um and i do love the full length too yeah but just yeah. something about that 7 inch is just the perfect documentation of just American hardcore, like you said, in general. Yeah. And like, when you find out that like, you know, the recording session was basically like lay down the tracks, go outside and skate. Yes. Yeah. That was, and and not to, that was something else I thought was cool in the book talking about that. It was just like, uh, Corey, Corey recorded it, right. He had the the eight track or four track. Was it four track? It might be a four, might be a four track or an eight track. A lot of that, all those touch and go seven inches recorded in the house that he had like a, this large house they had in uh, a lake house or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. It, yeah. So all that stuff was recorded there. So yeah, it might've been a four track, might've been a track. I, I, I can't remember right now, to be honest. It's it. And it sounds inc- like oh, it's, yeah. it's a perfect, it's, I mean, it's just a perfect piece of music. Um, oh, yeah. But in the moment, perfect. Yeah. And, you know, again, I'm a huge John Brandon fan. I think he's aged so well as far as like still being rep. Like, I don't know. It's kind of hard. Some of these older guys, it's like, and he just still seems cool as shit. <laughs> like, he's, uh, he's the Keith Richards of, of American hardcore. Yes. You know? He's, he's, uh, he's always going to be there. He's uh, like, that's, he, I think he says it in the book. Like, um, I'm here. Like, I'm I'm staying, motherfuckers. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And that's yeah. that's his mantra. And you know, like, thank God for it, because you know, there again, like, not to keep like going back to the book. And I don't know if it's in the book, but I remember like um, the guy who played guitar for Violent Apathy, this guy Dick Bowser, said like, "When I hear his voice, I know I'm alive." <laughs> like you know, like, and that's kind of I I agree with that. Like you know. Like John Brandon's voice definitely is like. I mean, he hasn't done any bad. Like, I love the Laughing Hyenas. The easy action stuff's great. It's pretty rare for someone to, you know, have, you know. And and the other thing is, I mean, you want to talk about a lifer? Each each of his bands like kind of just bleeds right into the other. Like Negative Approach ended, Hyenas started. When the Hyenas ended, he basically started Easy Action, and now he's you know doing his thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, nice, nice way to nice way to wrap up for sure. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you so much. Everybody should go buy the book. Yeah, go see the movie. Hang out with Tony. Yeah, definitely. Um, come out. Yeah, RevHQ.com and uh, the versions I'll have will be at my website, uh, NoIdolsBigCartel.com. So uh, go take a look and pick a book. Yeah. Oh, and also if you can't get enough of Tony's writing, which you shouldn't be able to you write some great stuff. You do have a sub oh, yeah. stack, right? You want to talk about that for a second? You to subscribe, you can get some exclusive content. Yeah. 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 Um, I kind of took down the, I had like a, whatever, a paying subscriber thing, but I kind of, I got rid of that just cause I've been whatever. I can't be regular with, with posting these days. So I took that off. But when I, when I find the inspiration, uh, yeah, uh, I, I put stuff up there. It's just retman.substack.com. I've been doing more interviews lately. Um, I don't know. I've been kind of down a 90s 
rabbit hole lately. I guess a lot of people have, but so yeah, I've been interviewing a lot of people from kind of uh, early '90s era stuff. Um, I don't know what you call it, proto screamo, uh, basement basement hardcore, whatever. Okay, yeah. seven inch in a paper bag, silk screen oh, paper bag era. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just did a big article. Uh, for a magazine in in the UK called The Wire that deals with more kind of experimental and jazz music. And I uh, got them to do, to um, let me write an article about the San Diego hardcore scene of the 90s um, because I kind of tied it in with like, you know, hey, it was like this arty experimental era of hardcore, you know, and uh, and they bought it. (laughs) Yeah. It's always a treat, I think, when I I get the email and like you've done interviews with... uh, you did one that was really cool with Chris Thompson from Circus Lupus and Ignition. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there was a purple with divert. Did you have the purple salt? Am I getting that confused? Yeah, anyway, there's a ton of stuff and it comes in your email. Tony Joy from Moss Icon and UOA. Um, yeah, I don't know. A bunch of stuff. The interview with this band that was from Texas called Sleeping Body from the 90s. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know, that, that era in the in the past year or so i've just been like wow this that kind of 90s paper bag whatever you want to call it era was like it's almost like the history has been erased because everybody wanted to be so diy that like there's no almost history to it <laughs> in a way so in some ways it's kind of cool like some of the stuff that some some of the stuff numero group is doing and some of the stuff like um temporary residents and you know other southern people. lord did the uh heroin yeah that well that's discography that's that's how I got the article in the wire was because I was like, Hey, there's this heroin discography. And, you know, so I wrapped it around that and yeah, they did that. And it, I don't know if you bought that or got it, but it's awesome. Like it, I did. The, yeah. The booklet's awesome. And like, God damn it. Like, you know, it's very funny with hardcore in the way, like when you're like, Oh, there's like unreleased material that we're going to put on the record. I'm like, like, you know, do I need to hear the, the outtake version of some hardcore song? You know right. what I mean? A boom box like, recording. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that fourth side with all the unreleased stuff on it is really cool. I think like some of those songs that are like from the last recording session are, you know, really fucking good. So, yeah, but yeah, so it's definitely it's it's been given a second life. So it's it's super cool to, um, you know, yeah. to to see that stuff and the documentation and kind of all to tie it back into the book. You know, a yeah. lot of this stuff it's nice that somebody can go back years from now and, and learn and, and dig deeper. So. Yeah. And that's the thing is like with, with something like, like numero group, like at least it's, you know, whatever anybody might think of like, why is this band getting a, a reissue and this band getting a reissue? And like, you know, it, it is easy to kind of get caught up in that um, cater mentality because it's fun. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like it goes back to what we're talking about here. Like there's no, there's no um, viable way to get Necro's music or a lot of this stuff. So like, fuck, like at least there's a current box set out there. Like if someone's interested, they get the whole damn thing. Exactly. That's the way I take it. It's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I, I want it or even care, but I, I think everything it's, you know, when somebody, as somebody who's been in bands, like if you want to have your stuff out there for anybody to hear and, and somebody's willing to put it together in a nice package, hey, let them, let them do it. Yeah. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it because yeah. 
You don't have to. So um, offered to do uh, like the band I was in. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> not interested. Cause I just don't think personally, I don't think it's that important, but, but if you were in a band back then and you want to get that stuff out there and you think it's important and you, that's great. <laughs> but, do it. Yeah. Anyways. So, so yeah, if you want to, if you want to hear more, by the way, of, of Tony on here, if you haven't, uh, he's been on, we talked about your zine common sense with, Tim. with Tim. So go back and listen to that one. I don't know the episode number. Um, and also you were on with us with, uh, the engine kid record, yeah, which I was fun. just thinking about the other day, uh, about that episode and about that record. So go check those out, check yeah. out Tony's book, go see the movie. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks again for having me. Um, always, always a pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So as John Brandon would say, check it out. <laughs> yeah.